be loyal and trustworthy through all kinds of weather because you're going to have ups and downs this year like it's not working so well and you're going to wish that it was working better so you'll need friends that will help you hold on and finally i said last weekend about friends is you need real friends that will tell you the truth when, when you're drifting away from your personal goals your life goals career goals when you're kind of drifting off the map Instead of flattering somebody, just tell them the truth. Like, hey, that's not for you. That's really not going to help your future at all. You need people who tell you the truth sometimes. And that was last weekend's lesson. This weekend's lesson is all about the words. We need wisdom so that we know how to use good words, not pick on each other like two little kids, not nag each other and aggravate each other. And I'll tell you what the truth is. I get my best sermon material from country western songs and their lyrics. They, not, they kill it when it comes to love. I want you to watch this. You ask me if I love you and if my love is true. Well, if I were a rich man, here's what I'd do. I'd buy you a diamond ring and a new fur coat too. If my nose was running money, I'd blow it all in. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If my nose is running money, I'd blow it all on you. I'd buy you a Cadillac, a new Mercedes, too. And I'd build you a mansion up on that mountaintop. If my nose is running money, but honey... It's not. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If my nose was running money, honey, I'd blow it all on you. Say amen. I might be a hillbilly or I might be from Texas, either one or both. I don't know. But I'm just telling you, it is funny. And sometimes words are funny. And sometimes they hurt. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It is our, our words can be life-giving. They can build things up, but they can also tear us apart, life-taking. And we gotta, we got to have some wisdom not to mess things up in our relationships with people and each other and at work. Proverbs chapter 18 says the tongue has this power of life and death, and it's the truth. It's the honest and goodness truth, and i got 12 takeaways, and I'm going to walk you through that real quick so that we can jot a few things down. You don't need to have all 12 of these memorized, but you'll have a couple Probably help you this week that you you stop and think for a moment before you let words get away, before things get loose. So here, here's what I'm going to say about our life-giving or life-taking kind of words. Uh, here's number one. Our words can sometimes try to deceive people or be or word deceitful, uh, tr trickery, you know. Uh, that's not a good idea. When you start using words that way, that's not going to help. So let me read a little bit of these little gems and nuggets so some of you are new today or back again after some time at Journey. And let me say this. Here, here's why Pro Proverbs helps. Proverbs is not like anything else in the Bible. All the other stories in the Bible or places in the Bible, they're kind of a narrative like Noah and the ark. You've got a character. I mean, like all the stories, great stories, great movies, great books, you've got somebody who is a villain, the bad guy, and you've got somebody who's the damsel in distress that needs a rescue, and then you've got a hero. 
Those three characters are in every kind of movie, every kind of book, every kind of story that you've ever heard, and it's in the Bible too. And Jesus is the hero who comes to our rescue, and Satan is the, you know, he's the enemy, and so we're like the one that's in distress, and we need a rescue. Say amen? You get that. That's what the Bible's really about. But Proverbs is a little different. There isn't a narrative. There's these six, seven, eight words thrown together in a sentence throughout Proverbs like little nuggets, like little riddles. And if you'll grab a couple, if you'll grab, if you'll grab just one or two of these little lines out of the Bible and remember where it's found in Proverbs, it'll help you. So you don't have to memorize 800,000 words. That's a whole lot of words in the Bible. But just grab a few. Get seven or eight words out of this lesson today. And it'll help you be more wiser with how you're using your words every day. Words can be uh, uh, deceitful. And that's not good. So Proverbs 25, put that on the screen or look, look in your own Bible on your smartphone or however you want to find it. But let me read that. Like a club or a sword... Or a sharp arrow. That's pretty descriptive about what damage words can be sometimes. Some of you all been clubbed to death. Yeah. By people that use words. Like a club. Or weapon. Somebody's got a sharp tongue like an arrow or a knife. And you're done with it. And you should be. Get away from that person. They're not helping. Get a different job. Do something different, man. I'm telling you. Words. Like a club or a sword or a sharp arrow is the man who gives false te testimony against his neighbor. People say things that are half true about you, partially true or not at all true, but that's not good. Proverbs 15. Here's another proverb just a few just a few words in this verse the tongue that brings healing it is a breath of fresh air say amen you come to journey and my goal is to help you leave here more encouraged and positive than when you came the tongue that brings healing if you read and listen to what jesus says if you listen to crowder's song on caleb Jesus in the morning, Jesus at the noontime, Jesus when the sun goes down. If you listen to that, it really is. It, it brings healing. It's a tree of life. But a deceitful tongue, like a club or a sword or a knife, just crushes us, crushes the spirit. So we've all experienced that. And uh, sometimes we feel crushed by what somebody said about us or they posted it on social media. And it just kills us because sooner or later, the truth always comes out. Say, always. It's true. Sooner or later, telling lies, half-truths, things that hurt us. Feel like I got clubbed with a big stick or a, some, some sharp object that poked me in the eye. They injure us. They wound us. And uh, it's not fair. So what's the alternative to using those kind of words that really do mess us up, hurt people, wound people. Here's number two. Jot this one down. Words sometimes 
are like a weapon, and so words can also share truth. Pick that one. <laughs> That's a much better one. Pick truth. Proverbs, again, let me read some of this. Proverbs chapter 12. Truthful lips endure forever. Honey, I love you. I'll never stop loving you. Just keep saying that. Whatever you, if whether you've been married 70 years or you hope to be married next summer, whatever it is, I'm just telling you guys, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Everybody just, that they'll just walk away. They won't listen if you can't be trusted, if you're just, if you're just using untruth. Chapter 23, buy the truth, do not sell it. Get some wisdom, God's wisdom, discipline, and the, and the understanding that you need. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but i got to say this. It's the truth. I'm trying to not flatter you. I'm trying to be honest with you. We need to grow up, guys. All of us need to grow up. Quit being so sensitive and wearing your feelings on your shirt sleeve. Grow up, dude, or dudette, whoever you are. I mean, we're offended by so many things, everything. It doesn't help. Get over it. And so Proverbs tells us, get some wisdom, hang on to God's truth, no matter what somebody else says, whatever the cost, because truth lasts forever, so buy it up as quick as you can. Lies are going to be short-lived anyway. They're going to get in trouble. They're going to fight sooner or later. Whatever fast talker, whatever kind of slick person said something about you that wasn't true, they're going to get found out. The truth's going to come out eventually. So I'm just saying it's a good idea. Stick to the truth. Amen? Yeah, you got it. Here's number three. There's 12. We'll rifle on through these, and then we'll do communion. I hope you grab just a few of these words out of Proverbs that you can hang on to and really make a difference this week, January 2024. Our words can also stir up a whole bunch of gossip. You get a lot of trouble if you're not careful what you start talking about and who you're talking with. Again, let me look at let me put these on the screen. So you look at these Proverbs chapter 20. I'm jumping all around in Proverbs, and you can you can circle it if this is one you want to catch and keep. Uh, here's Proverbs 20, verse 19. Gossip betrays a confidence. I thought I told you not to tell anybody. Who hadn't said that? I thought I told you this was in confidence between you and me. Who hadn't thought that? And later you found out, yeah, now everybody's talking about that. A gossip betrays the confidence, so avoid a person that talks too much. Say amen? amen. Yeah, yeah, move on. And here's another Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28. A perverse man stirs up dissension, and a gossip separates friends. <laughs> They'll just step right into your conversation and try to split you up. They'll try to split up your marriage. They'll try to split up your, your kids. I'm telling you, it's nuts what words can do. Words are powerful, good or bad. They can make us laugh, but they can make us cry and make us mad so much we're going to stomp my foot. Amen? It's the truth. Gossip is big business, and people use it all the time in social media. We sell magazines and books and movies and all kinds of stuff. You can be a talk show host if you want to gossip about other people. It's the truth. They'll make you famous if you just want to be a gossip expert. 
We don't need to be that kind of expert. We need to be a wisdom expert, and we need God's wisdom and knowing how to use the words the right way. And I'm, I'm giving you a few takeaways. And so let's talk about the word gossip before I leave it. What is gossip? What is gossip? Let me def have you thought about that? What is gossip? Let me define it. Here's what it says in the dictionary. Gossip is idle talk or rumor, especially about personal or private affairs of somebody else, of others. Now, here's, what, here's where you get tripped up. Here's where I get tripped up. Here's probably where you get tripped up, too. We can say it's not gossip if it's true. It's true. So I'm not gossiping. Being true has nothing to do with what gossip is. If you are saying something that's not true, that just makes you a liar, not a gossip. See the difference? Say amen. Just because it's true, that, that doesn't define gossip. Gossip is talking to somebody about something or someone that doesn't directly involve you or, or maybe the other person either. Gossip is when it's none of your business. That's what that is. And that will, get, that will just get you in a lot of trouble and make it worse. You know where it happens? In politics. You know where else it happens? In church. You know where else it happens? At work. Heck yeah. Because <laughs> we're all just people. And words can build you up or words can tear you down. And if you've got a mission to spread some kind of rumor that's negative, we end up hurting people like a knife, like a club, like some kind of arrow to the heart. And so stop that. And, or get away from people who try to do that, especially on social media. Man, my goodness. You need to get rid of half the stuff you got on social media right now. Just just delete it. Amen? You are looking at me like, no, I'm not. Just quit talking about my social media. Most of the stuff that gets all stirred up is driven by that thing you got in your hand. It's the truth. So, okay, that's enough, preacher. You're preaching now. Don't, don't you meddle in something that's none of your business. All right, I'll move on. Here's number four. Number four is words can also meddle in places that are really not our business. Proverbs 26 says, Like one who seizes a dog by the ears is a passerby who meddles in a quarrel that's not his own. <laughs> if you go grab some dog's ears, it's not your dog, and start pulling on his ears, you're going to have a fight. Say fight? Mm -hmm. The message paraphrase says this, You grab a mad dog by the ears when you butt into a quarrel. That's none of your business. If it's not your dog, then leave the dog alone. Yeah, that's the, it's pretty clear. So sage words of advice, expert advice, keep your cotton picking nose out of it before you get your nose cut off or bit off by somebody else. You shouldn't have said that or done that. All right, here's number five. Words will fail and fall flat when you're just trying to flatter somebody to get something you want. Somebody needs a ride, they tell you you look beautiful today. Somebody needs some money, you're the smartest person I've ever known. Oh, yeah, they'll tell you everything to get what they want from you. That's not a friend. That's what we said last week. Proverbs 29, verse 5. Whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his feet. You're going to trip up your friend or neighbor by trying to flatter them and tell them they're good at something that they're, they stink at. 
If you can't sing a note in the shower, don't tell them they're the best karaoke singer you ever heard in your life. My lands. Say, my lands? It's the truth. You're not going to help them get up in front of people and sound like they're crazy. Like, come on now. But if they can sing, let them sing. But not everybody can sing. They don't let me sing around here very much. I hide behind you guys and try to say a word or two. I got rhythm. I can stomp my foot. But don't give me a microphone because it's going to be embarrassing. It's the truth. So don't try to flatter people. It's not, a, it's not very good. A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. So it's like a bad performance on American Idol. Don't, you know, don't give everybody the high five if they can't really sing. Tell them the truth. Maybe you ought to go back into something else. You know, maybe pick up another trade. Try something that is something that's your specialty. Don't use flattery. In the end, you're going to cause somebody to be hurt and embarrassed. Here's number six. Our words, can un, our words can unwisely become boastful. Braggart, braggarts. Braggarts. Know any braggarts? He who gets too big for his britches is exposed in the end. You take that however you want, but it's the truth. Proverbs chapter 27. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another praise you, and not your own mouth. Someone else, not your own lips. If you're really good at something, let other people brag about you. Don't brag about yourself. Not, not very wise. If you're good and have, if you have things that you are able to accomplish or perform, some skills or Whatever it might be, let other people let other people recognize that. Let me push the pause button real quick. Not in my notes. I did Bob Gregg's funeral a couple weeks ago. There were about six hundred people up to high school for his big band party. Probably another thousand people they said online that were watching. I did the funeral the next day. Bob didn't toot his own horn. Everybody else did. That's how it's supposed to work. He left behind a legacy that we all recognize. Good job, Bob. Well done. That's how it should happen. People who boast about themselves are not going to be remembered very long. Famous people in politics, some big shot in a church somewhere, Somebody in your own family, somebody that is a braggart and boastful about themselves, psh, not going to last very long. When they're gone, they are really gone. So words really do matter, and sometimes words that are boastful are just not helpful. Number seven, I think I'm getting through this. Sometimes words can lead to a quarrel, and we know that for sure. Let me read a few of these. It is to a man's honor to avoid a fight or strife, an argument, but every fool is quick to quarrel. So some people just want to start a fight and be in a fight every day. Just go somewhere else. Move on. Proverbs 17, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before the dispute breaks out. You get into some argument, before you know it, everybody in the house is mad. They're all arguing. It, it becomes contagious. It just, it just does. 
in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 9. Better to live, I'm, I'm just telling you, this is in the list, so you can say whatever. This is probably one of the most famous ones I hear everybody read, but I'm just reading it because it goes along with this thing about quarrels. Better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. That's what it says. Somebody chuckles. I'm just saying, it could be a guy too. It's not just for the ladies. If you've got a guy that wants to fight and argue all the time, it could be the same for him. But it's the truth. You're better off to live in a corner somewhere than try to live in a big house with somebody just wants to argue all the time. Not any good. See, not any good? Yeah, it makes good sense. Solomon, as a young man, was consumed with his passion for knowledge and wisdom. I'm speaking to some of you in this room. Some of you are young right now at the front end of your career, and you're going to do great things. And God has a plan to bless you so that you might bless others. And Solomon was that kind of guy. He was a young man who became a king. And in the beginning, he was this literary prodigy of his day with studies in science and botany and zoology. And he, w he was and became a political, powerful leader and a successful businessman. And he has this great, big, vast empire that's described in the Bible. Solomon, in the later years, as he got older, became a poet, a moralist, a preacher. And then here's the funny thing. As good as he was, the guy who's telling us, I'm an expert in my words. Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines, it says in 1 Kings chapter 11. I'm not sure some guy that had 700 wives and 300 concubines, I'm not sure that alone would qualify as somebody who gets the wise man award of the year. I'm not sure that would work. But I thought about this last night. Maybe it was that he didn't know how to straighten out an argument with some wife yet, so he just went and got another wife. I don't know what he was doing, but that wasn't a good idea. Even Solomon struggles because he's still a person. He's not Jesus. Neither are you or me either one. And so whatever it is, we have to ask for God's wisdom. And sometimes we struggle, and quarreling might be one of those kind of things that we just haven't yet conquered. Maybe you end up in an argument more often than you realize. Why are you doing that? Why are you having so many arguments? Can't you resolve this? Can't you guard your words a little better? I think that's what we're after. Solomon says don't be around people that are complainers and naggers and nitpickers and looking to pick a fight, want to argue about everything. Solomon says move on, move away fast. If you can, move on to something, someone else, if you can. There's number eight, about words. Words sometimes get reckless and out of control. Like, uh, like an automobile on an icy day on a curvy road, we've lost control, and now you're not driving. You're just riding on a sled. It's different when you've lost control. Say, lost control? Yeah. That's what happens. And so words can get loose from us, and you're not in charge anymore. You are like sliding all over the place on ice, out of control. And before you know it, you slam into something like, I'm done. Get out the door. Get your stuff. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to see you anymore. It happens, guys, because we're people, and it gets, it gets slick out there like the weather. 
Proverbs chapter 12. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise straightens things out. Be slow. Be slow to get mad. Be slow to get angry. Be quick to listen. But be really, really slow, James says, to get angry. Proverbs 29 again. Do, do you see a man who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So I don't know if you have a hard time slowing down and letting your words uh, slip out too quick. You're probably going to live to regret it. Brian, I said last night, I've done forgot who it was, but somebody on social media, I guess, we figured out how if you send a text message and you uh, send a boo-boo, that you can retrieve it if you hit it like within five seconds or whatever that. So we put a limit somehow trying to help people because it gets away from us. Our words get away from us. And we've looked so stupid on social media sometimes. They've created in the app for some way to retrieve a dumb message. Say, dumb? Don't you wish our mouth could like push it, like back it up just first? I didn't say that. No, I didn't say that. Man, I wish I had five seconds. Yeah, I ain't got it. You don't either. We don't have five seconds. And so sometimes you've said it. It's out there. It's too late. You can't get them back. And uh, it's not wise. So don't say you hate somebody. Don't say you wish they were dead. Even if you're so mad you could spit nails, that's going to make it worse. Some words get reckless and they, they cause a wound that will never, ever heal. You ever had something that just wouldn't heal? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it is. I got this, I got a nail, and it cut me somewhere, and it just don't seem like it wants to heal up. I don't know what's wrong. Some wounds are like that. Here's number nine. Our, wor our words have to be guarded before we do end up reckless. So we've got to be aware. That's why I'm talking about it today. Got to hurry up. I'm on nine. I'll get through a couple more of these. Be on your guard. He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Keep going. Chapter 15, verse 28. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. You ought to probably stop and look at things on paper before you spit it out. He who guards his mouth, Proverbs 21, and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. So Solomon says once those words are out, they're not coming back, so be on your guard. And here's some more from Solomon. Number 10, our words should be always kind, if at all possible. Try to be kind. It's nice to be nice. Try to use kind words. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. You know what? I've seen you guys smiling in here today. We came in, and Crowder got us going with music. I had a really funny little story there with Honey. If my nose was running money, honey, I'd give it all to you. You know, I tried to get you to smile, and kind words help us a little bit when we've got, like, you know, things on our mind that are bothering us. Somebody's sick or the weather's really severe. Do you remember what it was like when you were a kid and your mama or your daddy or your grandma or your grandpa, and you were, like, really sad, and they came in and they hugged you, and they just put their arms around you? It felt so good. I mean, you still might have been sick and needed chicken noodle soup for your tummy to settle down, but it felt so good just to get an embrace from somebody that really loved us when we were a little kid. Amen? 
something is pretty close to somebody that can feel the hug and love of another person is a kind word. Just use a kind word when you know that somebody's having a tough time. And it's kind of like that feeling that we had when somebody wraps their arms around us. So try to be kind. And that sets me up for number 11. Words really are the most powerful when they're kind and encouraging. That's the other word. Makes good sense. Proverbs 16, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, healing to the bones. I put local honey on my oatmeal every morning. Tastes good. Tastes really good. I'm just saying. Pleasant words are like honey. Here's another in the message. Same, same verse. Gracious speech is like clover honey. Good tasting. Good taste to the soul. Quick energy for the body. We're energized with things that taste good. Things that are kind and encouraging. Kind words like a hug that we got from mom or dad or somebody that really loved us well. Make somebody's day better tomorrow than it was today. It really is nice to be nice. Be kind. Use encouraging words whenever you can. Here's the last one, number 12, and we're going to do communion. You guys who are home, you guys get ready. If you can, grab something that we're going to use for communion in just a moment. It can be a bread, a little cracker, a piece of bread, or some kind of juice or something. We're going to do that in just a second. Here's number 12. Our words are both kind and strong, and sometimes you have to use words. Uh, let, me just use, let me use the word correction or discipline. The word in the Bible and the NIV is rebuke. There are times that you have to tell somebody that they're wrong. You can't just be your kid's friend and not tell them the truth when they're missing the mark. If you're a parent, if you're an adult, there are times that we really do have to tell them. Like, you know, you're, you're drinking yourself to death. You're, you're ruining your health. You're, you're really going to regret this. If you can, think of something really good to say, Solomon says. Make somebody's day better tomorrow than it was today, but... Sometimes you have to confront and correct. And uh, our words have this power to be life-giving. Or they can also take life. And we have to decide. And it takes wisdom to know what is needed best. Proverbs 27, better is an open rebuke than hidden love. He who rebukes a man, chapter 28, will in the end, a person that corrects a friend, will in the end gain more favor than he who just tries to flatter. So do your best, but pray for prayer. And, and here's the real deal, guys. I tell you, like, it's like the gorilla in the room. Some of you say, oh, I don't do any of that, preacher. Because you tell me that you just bite your tongue and you didn't say it out loud. You flunk too. It's not just about biting your tongue. It's about your heart. Your words are a symptom of what's in your heart. you got a heart problem. That's why the words are trying to jump out of your mouth that are really bad words. You can't just say, 
I'm going to bite my tongue and say nothing. You have to ask God to help you change your heart to get better. That's what the issue is. Not just watching what we say. The real issue, the symptom of this issue about words is a heart that needs to change. Here's how James, Jesus' half-brother, here's how he wrote it in James chapter 3. With the tongue we praise God. We praise the Lord. Like Crowder a while ago. You can sing Crowder's song. But if you're just biting your tongue because you can't stand somebody. And you wish that you could tell them your heart's messed up. You've got to straighten your heart out. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse men. Who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth. Come praise and cursing, my brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Verse 12, my brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grape vine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You cannot get fresh water from salt water. We know that. You can't get a fig from an olive tree. We know that. It's all about the source, and so it is with our words. You're not going to get kind and encouraging words even if you bite your tongue and don't say things out loud, but you still wish you could cuss or complain or gripe or make some kind of statement that's negative. Our heart has to change. Here's the bottom line. If you want to speak life-giving words instead of life-taking words, <clears throat> we've got to change the source. You can't just take a few notes that I gave you today and say, okay, I'm better you really need Jesus to do something in your life, and that's why we're going to take communion. Go ahead and pass those trays. You can't just go to church. You have to change when you come to church so that you can be the church. You can't just go to church and sit down and say, I'm, I'm done. I was here last week. I'll be back next week. You can't just go to church. you got to change. Your heart's got to change. It's a heart issue that leads to better words. It's a heart issue that leads to more wisdom. It is a heart issue that leads us into better discussions with better friends. We need good friends to tell us the truth. And Jesus is our friend. And he wants to tell you before you take this little cracker that you are forgiven and there is nothing that you could do that would cause him not to love you John 3.16 is true for God so loved the whole world but he doesn't want you to just stay that way he wants us actually to change our heart so that you don't have to bite your tongue and change your words so that out of your mouth will come the kind of words that you are free to speak because they are kind and encouraging God wants to use you because you are the church. If you walk out of here and you don't have good words coming out of your mouth, no wonder God's not using you. It's because your heart's messed up. You've got to get your heart straightened out. You've got to clean up your heart first before your words ever get cleaned up. You're thinking to yourself, if I just stop cussing in front of other people, I'm going to be okay. No, you're not. You're not going to be okay until God does something in your heart so you're not cussing anymore. It has nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with transformation. Are you going to change or not? 
Are you going to be the best version you can be? I'm not talking about heaven and hell. You're going to go to heaven because of Jesus. It's not because you deserve it or you earn it or you came to Journey Church today. It's because Jesus said, I'm your Savior, and I took your place. But do you want to be a better person before you leave and go home to heaven? Do you want to be the best version? And do you want to represent God with your neighbor or the person you work with? Do you want to be an influence or not? You know why the church is emptiest? Because the church hasn't changed. We just go to church. That doesn't work anymore. We have to change. And the only way that we can change is on the inside. God takes care of the other things for us. The sin, His sacrifice, that's why we do this. But these other things are on us. If we're going to become the best person in 2024 we can be, before you chug this down and before you swallow this cracker, ask God to help you grow some wisdom in your heart so that your words come out better and that it might begin today. The bread... and the cup let me pray God not everybody who says they are our friend really are our friend but we believe that Jesus really is a friend that sticks closer than a brother that's what it says in Proverbs chapter 18 we believe it is Jesus who is loyal always even when we're not. So may we just draw closer to you. May we get more near God. Nearer to God is where we need to go. And you'll get near to us. May we right now, as we're praying, thinking about our words and our wisdom and how we talk when we leave here and, and just the thoughts that we're having and the words that we share around us, may you help us be more like Jesus be more like you. In his name, amen. Drop the little cups in the little basket they're going to walk in front of you there with. And if you've got an offering, put it in a plate. Be terrific. If you've got some change that you didn't spend this morning, put it in a Tide jug. Somebody probably needs a cup of coffee today. They might need a pair of shoes on a cold day. I don't know, but put it in the jug. We usually end up about 100 bucks. If you guys will help us, put something in there. And uh, you guys who are home, see you next time. Hope you had join us in this series. You guys are still here. Let's sing one more song and come down the hallway here if you want a prayer before you go home.